Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit presenceoc.org. open my Bible with a handheld. It's like, what? I've heard people say you're not preaching unless you're using a handheld. I don't know what I've done then for the last bunch of years. <laughs> okay, guys, now we got the mic thing out of the way. I'll do okay with this. I'm actually, I can be free. Uh, man, who haven't I seen yet this weekend? Who's a new face? Because there's like tons of new faces. Okay, good, good. Who's never heard my heart before? Who ever ever heard me preach ever in your life? Ah, that's a lot. I was, I was in Alabama, and two-thirds of the people in this one service raised their hand. The pastor said, he looked at me and said, oh, my goodness, you're like a mosquito in a nudist colony. And I thought, I was like, can you say that in church? And, and, then, and, and then I realized it was actually pretty funny. <laughs> what he meant was I had a lot of targets. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me nutshell something for you and just recap the weekend without preaching for an hour. I don't know if it's possible. And I'm not going to keep you real long. I know you said about it be a little longer today, but really, honestly, here's my heart on a Sunday morning when we gather together. The Bible says to not forsake the gathering of yourself together. Now, you can do that any time, but here we are today. And it's very important that you don't just turn Sunday morning into saying, hey, I'm a part of Presence OC, and this is when we meet, so hey, we got to get to church. Let's be a little deeper than that. Let's be a little more personal a little more revelation and motive behind our life than just church attendance, okay? Because if you're not careful, church attendance will take the place of knowing Him. And all of a sudden, the things you do in His name or do for His name take the place of Him in your life, okay? So you don't want anything to take the place of knowing Him. Knowing Him transforms you. Uh, so Sunday morning, what I, what I feel like in my heart always on a Sunday morning is the reason we gather together, you just want, you want to stay on page. You want to stay sharp. You want to stay focused. You don't want life speaking louder than truth. You don't want to find yourself going through a hard time and slipping into a season where you're letting things matter more that don't matter most. And all of a sudden you lose sight of who you are and why and lose sight of why he's actually inside of you. So actually the reason you gather is to stir one another in love and good works. Because he's come into you to live through you in your life. He didn't just come in you to make you feel better. He didn't just come in you to bless your life. He came in you to transform your life so that your life has the ability, the way it was created from the beginning, to reveal him, to shine him, to express him. Because you actually become one with him. Yeah? And if you just relate to who you've been, you won't realize who you've become. And we just talk about this stuff sometimes when we gather on a Sunday morning so that we can all run well. So that we leave here looking a little more like him than when we came. Or we could just come and hope to catch a blessing or get a new card in our hand or something and we'll probably miss the point. It's never just about what you need and what God can do for you. It's always about who he can transform you into becoming and becoming more like him. So to recap the weekend... The reason man's on the planet, according to the Bible, is God said one day, let us make man in our image. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> so I don't believe evolution. I don't think I have the roots of a monkey. I think God made man and didn't just make man. He made man with intention. He made man for his image. So if you believe your Bible, church, 
then you have to understand that there's a created value to humanity and that from the beginning, the intention of God for making man was to model and manifest His image. Which tells me today that if I live life apart from pursuing His image, I'll live life apart from what I'm here for, and that's what makes life tough. It's like trying to run something without the grease in the joints. Trying to live your life apart from His created purpose is life apart from grace because grace empowers you to be what He created you to be. You guys with me? We've got to be very careful that we don't just turn the gospel into blessings and provision in heaven someday. No, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's a brand new attitude, a brand new reason for being. A brand new way of living, people. Come on, we were trained by the flesh. We were trained by a lie. We were trained by self-centered living and selfish living and me, myself, and I. Our emotions were channeled through that motive. And who we've been is not who we're created to be. And you must be born again. We turned it into a spiritual position and a prayer that positions us someday for heaven instead of heaven coming back into us and changing who we are. He wants a new eye in me. He wants a new heart in me. That's why he put new life in me. Amen. Yeah. His name is Jesus. And he's my friend. <laughs> I'm just telling you. He's my friend. He really loves me. He loves you too. And I heard that Kentucky coming out of you today. That was awesome. I heard it. I listened for it. I said, oh, it wasn't hard to hear. That was awesome. I, I, I love going south because I like the way they talk. I get the girls to talk. I tell them, tell me your life story. <laughs> I had an Australian couple in the car, and I kept talking to the wife, and she said, are you just trying to make me talk? I said, yes. <laughs> I just love it. I have Australian on my GPS. Karen, she says, turn right. And I'm like, yes, I'll do it. <laughs> just, it's awesome. It's just awesome. I love accents. But back on track here. There's a time to be born. Recap in the weekend. There's a time to be born, and here you sit. The Bible says there's a time and a season for everything under the sun. And the Bible says there's a time to be born. And here you sit. So life's not happenstance. It's not just because a man went into a woman one day and you showed up. It's because God saw your day, predestined you before time to be adopted in as a son or a daughter. Your life has destiny. What Jesus paid for on the cross wasn't just the forgiveness of your sins. The reason he paid for the forgiveness of your sins was to get the lie off of you so you could finally walk in the truth. What Jesus paid for on the cross was the restoration of destiny, purpose, and his image back in men. See, that's what was lost through sin. What was lost through sin was the created value of man and the destiny that God had on man and God's image inside of man. But what wasn't lost was God's heart towards man and love never failed. So on your darkest day, he didn't lose sight of who you were. And man has never had the power to change God. That's why God's still changing men. Why? Because he's love. He didn't wake up. For you to fail him. He didn't position himself with expectations for you to break his heart. He loves you. When I say wake up, I just, I know God doesn't slumber. I just say that so we can relate. What I'm saying is to start a new day. God didn't start this day with the intention of what you can do for him. He loves us. Most of us grew up thinking we're breaking his heart. 
Love takes no account of the wrong done to it. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Love is out to touch you, change you, and bring you into truth. He's not winking at sin, but he's not repulsed by you. He knows you're more than what you understand. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Why? Because he knows you're not just failures and losers and sin waiting to happen. Your destiny goes back to the beginning and is written where God made man in his image. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. He wants to put that back in us. Please don't turn this gospel into blessings and just what God can do for you. Don't incorporate him into your life. He becomes your life. Life becomes new. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Wow. The Bible says don't ever again be conformed to the world. Be transformed by thinking different than you've ever thought before. We were trained by the wisdom of the world. We were trained by the spirit of this age. We were taught by lies, false teaching. We grew up in darkness, and then the light of the world came. Yeah? <laughs> now the Bible says, walk in the light as he's in the light. And you'll have true fellowship with one another because his blood cleanses you of all sin. It's the gospel, guys. It's all I'm preaching to you. It's why we're alive. Mercy woke us up today to give us one more day to be like him. And some of us are trying to get through. <laughs> some of us are hoping people treat us better. <laughs> what you see in me has nothing to do with how you treat me. He's my friend. <laughs> and he's not my doctrine. He wakes up with me, goes to bed with me, walks with me through the day. He's with me. He'll never leave me. Yay. So it's just not my fault. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Come on. We live for esteem. We live for reputation. We live for identity. We're trying to find it through all kinds of faucets and means and ways. You find yourself in him. There's no other place to look. There's no other truth. You're not going to find yourself through anything but what you were and who you were made through. Nothing was made that wasn't made through him. And he said, let us make man in our image. So what's Christianity? A restoration back to the image of God where God can be one with man and live through and shine through. His people. That's Christianity. It's oneness with deity. It's becoming one with Him. You guys with me on page? So what's God's image? How does the Bible teach who God is? We know God, you know, He's full of glory and majesty and there's a lot of things you can, can worship God for and, and, and give God, you know, praise for His attributes. But when we think of God, the Bible thinks of God and talks about God as God being love. God is love. Doesn't do love, is love. So when I think of God making man in his image, I realize that, wow, God made me like him. God is. So I started to realize 21 years ago, oh my goodness, Jesus paid a price to redeem me back to what I was created to be. I haven't been loved, I've been self-centered. I haven't laid my life down for people. I've lived at the expense of people. I've gotten frustrated with you, aggravated with you, and I thought if God changed you, life would be better. 
You had the ability to antagonize me, frustrate me, discourage me, or encourage me, but I was depending on everything around me because I was missing what was supposed to be in me. So what I realized happened is that when man sinned, love was lost. Love got perverted. The image of God was lost. The day he ate the tree was the day he died. Who he was died. But never in the heart of God. So God had a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And God had a plan to restore the truth. Wow. Somehow, at large, we've turned this gospel into blessings and a prayer to go to heaven in a beneficiary covenant instead of a life transformed. And if we're not careful, we'll hold on to our ability to complain, be discouraged, pray for ourselves, think for ourselves, and make it all about ourselves. And miss that it's all about Him in us and Him through us. And all of a sudden, you're still just as frustrated with your neighbor, but you sing holy as the Lamb. And all of a sudden, you're still just as ticked off and unforgiving towards your spouse because you can't believe they did that, but you serve in children's church. And all of a sudden, I'm not being condemning. Hold on. Don't let anybody back out on me. And all of a sudden, we reveal something by that that we don't totally understand the gospel. It's all right. The word's just getting after him, man. It was trying to go. <laughs> the word was going, man. They, yeah, because somebody got shook. They started to think I was getting condemning and legalistic and the word was going to just <laughs> stick to your face. <laughs> you don't be afraid of language like this. It, it exposes things. Come on. You, you, it's not legalistic to talk like this. We don't, we don't want the capacity to, to say we're not religious but teach ourselves religion and, and, and do the form of a thing without becoming the thing. It's okay to talk about it. And it's, it's, honestly, it's not cool to believe that animosity in your home is normal and then go sing praise the Lord. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the fight starters. Not the fight closers. Takes two to tango, one to make peace. Blessed are the... For they are the sons of God. Come on, Jesus said in Matthew... He said, you have heard it said, or you say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, that's like four paragraphs after saying, you say, but I say, you say, but I say. What's he saying? You're not saying what I'm saying. You've been taught another way, but I'm the way. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Give to those who would spitefully use you. Why in the world would I do that? So that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Come on, man. I know when we're done wrong, we feel done wrong. We feel hurt, betrayed, broken, trusted. Don't know if we can do it anymore. Don't know if we can deal with people, trust people. Got to build a fortress around myself so nobody can get through and hurt me again. And I'd rather teach you why you don't have to be hurt. Why don't have to be so vulnerable? Because God's the ancient of days and He's been around a long time and He ain't hurt. He's love. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Come on! And if you can't see it in Him, I don't want to see it in you because you're made for His image. Yeah. 
I mean, that's just good, solid preaching right there. <laughs> it really is. I'm not looking for a clap, but you can clap. But I'm, but I'm just telling you, that's the gospel. He didn't say, sing to me and pray to me when you're stressed out. He said, follow me. He said, the things I do, you'll do if you believe. He said, as he is, so are we in the world. And as the Father sent me, so I send. The whole key is believing. The cold key is believing that you have this destiny, believing the Word of God, that believing that Jesus just isn't a historical figure or a, 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 an Easter story, but that He actually died on the cross as an innocent man because He saw the value of people, that He paid the highest price necessary and possible to redeem people, that innocent blood was shed to redeem guilty lives that would humble themselves and say, wow, I get it now. Come on, we've turned it into a self-serving thing and there's a lot of discouraged people that go to church that are letting life speak louder than truth. There's a lot of people just praying, praying, praying and waiting to catch a break when you already did. Waiting for God to do something else or better rather than walk in the revelation of what He's done. You have no reason the Christian that understands would never even understand complaining again. The Bible says, don't you complain like they complained in the wilderness when they didn't get it. Come on, when you complain, you're thinking for yourself. Be honest with me. When you're discouraged, you're thinking for yourself. You're thinking how everything's affecting you, how it ain't working for you, how your dreams ain't coming true, how it ain't happening for you. It's all about you, and we think discouragement's normal. And we think if we preach this way, it's denial. Why? Because we found ourselves through one another. We're supposed to find ourselves through Him. I'm not living by your experience and I'm not living by mine. I'm following Him. And grace is going to change my experience. And then all of a sudden people can't even relate. Why? Because they're living in yesterday when a new day has come. Oh, come on. That's solid. You can't really get around that. What a good news message, guys. It's why we're on the planet. That's why Jesus came, because he believes this is worth redeeming, and it's worth you living it, and you're worth living it. There's not one person insignificant on the planet. Everybody wears the same price tag. It took the same blood. He didn't say, well, you know what? I needed about four quarts of my blood to save Jesse. I just needed a few drops for Chris. No. <laughs> sorry I know you love me (laughs) it's the blood you know what the blood's doing it's speaking better things here's what the blood's doing I paid the price because I know who you are I know what's possible and what's capable in me turn to me come to me find out who you really are through me don't live the old way live the new way you're worth my life come and live in me that's what the blood's saying I know where you've been. I know where you've, what you've done, but I know who you are. Turn to me and come to me. We'll throw that all away. We'll put something new inside of you. That's what the blood's saying. Come on, what's the cross saying? It's not a suffering Savior. It's sin cursed in the flesh. It's, it's Jesus dying once for all. The cross is saying, I love you. I know who you are. You're worth this price. If you saw what I saw, you'd do this too. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing, but I know. I see who they are. I know what they can be. I know what they look like when I'm in them and they're surrendered. They're worth this price. To you, I commit my spirit. Come on. 
Don't turn it into an Easter story. Don't turn it into a sentimental suffering Savior story. It's sin cursed in the flesh. (laughs) It's sin having no dominion over you. It's one son for many sons. It's you dying in the likeness of his death. and the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives unto God. You likewise reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God in Christ Jesus. Don't you fight a battle that's already won. You start where he finished and run well. Oh, man. See, he's my friend. I'm telling you. You know, you see what's wrong with me? I believe it. June 9th will be 21 years. This isn't 21-month zeal. This isn't 20 years of the highs and the lows and the seasons of darkness and the betrayals of ministry and the disappointments of God's sovereignty and confusion of why not and what. No, if this is 21 years of him being who he is and me keeping my heart before him and him being my friend. It doesn't get dull. It increases. Because you're supposed to know him a little more than you did back then. Unless, of course, you get tricked into letting life speak louder than truth. and Letting tragedy overrun destiny. Letting problems overtake purpose. You be careful because the eye is the lamp of your body. And if your eye's single, your whole body's flooded with light. Doesn't say unless, of course, you're faced with many challenges and issues. It says if you see clear, you'll live clear. You keep your eyes in truth, church. Listen, I flew here just to cheer people on. I never asked how many people I'd be talking to. I don't ask those questions. I just heard hunger. I felt like coming. I pulled his invite out of a stack of hundreds. Because I knew somebody would be sitting in front of me. I'm going to get on a plane this afternoon and fly home and life's going to stay amazing. (laughs) Seriously, there's nothing anybody can do about it. It's over. Life is awesome in God. You say, well, wonder if the plane crashes. I'll never die. The worst you lose is a little temporal time and your wife might miss you a little or something. But it's all the more reason for her to run well. By faith and live by faith and know that one day she's going to cross that line and we're all going to rejoice that we were believers. That in Christ we can't possibly lose. That we already won. Come hell or high water, we already won. I'll never be judged. I'll never be marked for sin. I'm in. I'm not out. Yeah. (laughs) Yay. So see, I'm going to be a mess no matter what. And I want you to not be like this, but... Be the best you. Don't be afraid to be in a mess. Don't say, oh my gosh, I'm not going to believe what he's believing. I'll act like that. No, no, don't be afraid of that. We're not asking you to act like this. This is just me being me. This is me when I'm all alone with him. Actually, I'm a little worse. I got to get my sound mind on so I can speak to you. (laughs) Because I'm supposed to communicate, not just manifest. I'm going to do you no good if I just stood up here. (laughs) 
The Bible doesn't say in all you're getting, get manifestation. The Bible says in all you're getting, get understanding. Get understanding. But yet you grew up here and what you don't know won't hurt you. What a lie from hell. What you don't know won't hurt you. Are you kidding me? People are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Get the knowledge. Stop destruction. So you know what we do? We blame destruction on God's sovereignty and God's choice. He didn't say that. He said, get the knowledge. Stop destruction. Yeah. We think everything that happens is God's administrative choice. And then we're frustrated with God and we can't figure out God and he's shrouded with mystery. No, it's wrong thinking. It's wrong believing. It's wrong teaching. The Bible says men are reaping what they sow. It has nothing to do with God's sovereign choice. He says the power of death and life is in your tongue. God's will in life, you're speaking death. Death comes and we call it his choice. People are being destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Get the knowledge. Stop destruction. Let's stop pointing to God. I don't know why God allowed it. I don't know why God let this. I don't know why. Listen, anything you fear, you have no authority over. So that's why you love not your own life unto death because everything looks like it's coming at you, but it's really not. It's coming to the kingdom. It's trying to take down the kingdom. It's trying to tear down what God is building. And you take it personal and internalize adversity and then get a skewed view of God. And then you get tricked into feeling sorry for yourself, getting burdened, getting broke down, and even dreading life. I'm not being mean. I'm being real. And somebody needs to be encouraged by this, not condemned by this. You say, well, you don't know what I've been through. See, that's the problem. See where our eyes fix? What about what he's been through? Does that matter? But you don't know what I'm going through. What about what he went through? To get his life inside of you. Look there. You're going to find answers. Come on. You're going to stay in the loneliest party ever. Or you're going to come over here into where there's life. And over in that lonely party. The only people that will understand you are the couple that feel like you. And you'll call them friends. And they're your support system guaranteeing you to stay the same. Because they understand your pain. Not the truth. You guys all right? I hope so, because I'm really doing good. Come on, it's not that we don't have challenges. It's not that I don't have things in my life going on that I wish weren't happening. It's not that everybody's making the greatest decision all the time, guys. People make mistakes. People that you love do some silly things sometimes, do misguided things. Sometimes tragedies pop up. See, the key is that you understand what we're saying so that when you're squeezed in life, Jesus comes out. Not anything else. What if the devil's learned that all he has to do is squeeze people to find out what they really understand? Wonder if it's that easy for him. Eh, I'll just squeeze them a little and see if they're sincere, see if they get what sacrifice means. I'll squeeze them two or three more times and see how long it takes for them to get mad at God and cut off their prayer life. That's what he said about Job. He, he, he thinks he has us figured out, guys. He doesn't think you love God. He's sure you don't love God. He just believes you need God for your well-being. And he's out to prove it. He told God that Job is like everybody else. That's you. And that he loves himself and he'll do anything to save his own life. And if his blessing slips away, he'll curse you to your face like everybody else would. That's what the devil said to God. He's so sure he's got you figured out. And he's out to prove that you're holy as the lamb is just church service stuff. 
But you'd understand that you're yielded and surrendered and a soldier in the army of God. He's out to prove it. Don't let him be right on your account. Because I promise you the storm comes to the wise and the foolish. We're not in a storm avoidance program. We've overcome. <laughs> See, you've got to understand. I'm not being boastful and arrogant. And I'm not picking a fight. You're just not afraid of the storm. You understand storms come to everybody. The storm's not the issue. The answer is. Every time Satan comes, he believes he can break you. But every time he comes, he runs the risk of making you if you're a believer. And because of the adversity, you can know God more. Don't tell me after Nebuchadnezzar's fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't know God a little more. They claimed what they knew. They stood with integrity on what they believed. And they loved not their own life unto death in an old covenant, bless their hearts. But I'll tell you what, once that old King Nebuchadnezzar lit that fire and threw them boys in, they got a little deeper revelation than they had in their confession. And what he meant to break them in, he made them in. And then the king said, how about if I jump on board? He made a decree. that if He's killing them for not worshiping him. Then when God saves them, he makes a decree that anybody else is going to die if they don't worship their God. That's a turnaround. But it ain't going to happen if they're fearful and afraid. And God, why are you letting this happen to me? And what I do wrong? And why aren't you covering my back? And what door did I open to the devil? The Christian testimony is no smell of smoke. It's nobody seeing what you're in the middle of because you're in him. It's not coming into church. Pray for me, brother. I'm going through a wilderness. It's not Jesus' wilderness. He was endued with the spirit and power and angels ministered to him in the wilderness. Must be the Israelites' wilderness where they thought for themselves and said it'd be better for us. Oh, man, am I preaching this morning to you. Come on. What'd the Israelites do? They got, the, they got Pharaoh hit with plague after plague after plague, and he finally released them. They actually threw their gold on their laps and said, here, take this while you go. They get to a sea, and they can't go nowhere, and they see Pharaoh closing in behind them, and they go, wow, we're fools. We got tricked. Now they're going to kill us right here. Man, this is a bummer. They forgot the plagues. They didn't think about God. They just thought about themselves. Ah! Moses, what are you going to do? Moses said, God, what are you going to do? He said, why are you crying out to me? Would you lift that staff and split that sea? Oh, yeah. Ah! So they all run across. Oh, they get across the sea. And the Pharaoh, type in shadow of the enemy. Now they're there singing the song of Moses, but it ain't long. Their bellies are ground and they're thirsty. And they're going, where's the food? Where's the water? Where's the milk and honey? Where are we? <laughs> Moses strikes a rock with a stick. The rock splits and they say, theologically, several million people drank. You, you see, we look at that, but we'd have done the same thing. They, but, but you look at that, and you think you would be changed. <laughs> but 
But here's what it's scary about. It's like a sobering thing. It shows fallen human nature and how strong the stronghold of self-centeredness can be that we miss the point and we think it's all about him serving us. God is not your busboy. He's not your table waiter. You don't like to say, well, my steak's not done right. And then you don't leave a tip. Well, I don't go to church because you don't know what I've been through. And I don't know why God never answered my prayer. And it's already exposed why your life is so tough. Because you don't understand who he really is. And you got him positioned to be your genie in a bottle instead of your father and you his son. Man, I hope you're hearing me. Not just because I'm mic'd up. I've heard countless Christians say, pray for me. I'm in a wilderness. And I laugh. I say, man, I wish you'd come out of the Israelites' wilderness. You're called to be in Jesus' wilderness. Where you love not your own life unto death and you go into that place for God's name and people. You live your life for His name and others. That's what you live your life for, guys. If you sincerely drill that into your heart through prayer, confession, get alone with God, sit on a bed with your hands open and say, Holy Spirit, just burn this in me. This is the motive I'm alive. It's for your great name and for others. I thank you, God. I love not my own life unto death, but yet you value me and treasure me and live inside of me. And we have a destiny to fulfill. Let's get on with it. You'll find your days of hurt. Your days of frustration, your days of jealousy, your days of trying to find a reputation, your days of low esteem, it's all over in one truth. You don't need as much counsel as you think. You need the truth that makes you free. And if you'll let the gospel change your reason for being, your being will be a blessing. And even if you get confronted with sickness, a symptom, disease, trial, calamity, you will live the faith and not lose sight of who you are and why in the middle of it all, like those three boys in the Hebrew boys in the Shadrach, Meshach story. Come on. That sure beats, why are you letting this happen to us, God? I don't know why I'm going through this. And all of a sudden, you got more questions than answers. See, we're not people with a million troubles. We're people with one amazing answer and a covenant God. And if you'll start living and thinking that way, it'll change everything. If it's all about what God can do for you, you're in trouble yet today. You'll pray for your boss to change because you're tired of him treating you that way instead of he has a destiny and you love to see his eyes open. You'll pray for a new job because you can't stand your co-workers instead of cry for your co-workers and want to be there to have influence. See the difference? Well, they just get under my skin. I'm talking about you getting new skin. Well, they get on my nerves. New nerves. Wouldn't it be amazing if God had the capacity to let you get on his nerves? Then you'd have to try to live for him to like you. And that's a pressure rat race of insecurity. Come on, guys. You guys all right? You ought to be. Because this is good news. Because the reason it's good news is you don't have to live any other way. Faith says, let's go after this. Sincerity and integrity and honor. Surrender. Humility. Says, I don't want any other options. This is where life is. You say, that's controlling. No, it isn't. It's so inviting. It's Jesus and he's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Sounds like a good team. Why would you want any other way if it's not producing life? Why would you want any other way if it's 
demeaning the value of others. How self-righteous would it be to wake up and actually look down on others and think others are the ones that have the problem and not just lay down your life for everybody? All of a sudden, we have a pecking order. And if I read my Bible correct, every mountain is down and every mountain is up. And we're on a level playing field where everybody's in the same boat of value, purpose, and price. Whoa. And you know what made Jesus tick? The mind that took him to the cross is in Philippians 2. Have the same mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus. God is going to introduce us into what made the master tick. The mind that drove him to the cross was he made himself of no reputation. Now you be honest. Every one of us grew up seeking some level of reputation. We wanted to be noticed, we needed to be appreciated, we needed to be esteemed because we were born into a lie and had no clue who we were. And then the truth comes and says, hey, you'll find yourself in me. Come to me, look to me, and be saved. It's the gospel. You guys with me? Okay, good. No, I don't have all day. I actually feel like done. It's crazy. I know you got something out of this. I'm not asking you to clap. But I know you got something out of this. I can feel it in my heart. Here's the paradox of this stuff. You're the steward of your own heart. What you do with what I said is between you, your conscience, and Jesus. And watch this. It's not dependent on another human being. You can't say, well, I would do this if it wasn't for so-and-so. Well, you don't know what it's like living with that. Stop. That's excuse. That's deception. That's getting your eyes off the truth. That's why you're not free. Look, my wife doesn't have to love Jesus for me to love Jesus. There was a six-year period where she got so confused and deceived in her identity being my wife because everybody loved me. And she started saying, the only reason they say hi to me is because I'm your wife. The only reason they care about me and notice me because I'm with you. You're called, I'm not. They love you, not me. That's a good way to die inside. And then you look at her and you say, honey, are you kidding me? And you tell her the answer and she looks you square in the eyes and says, well, you're supposed to tell me that. It's the right answer. I say, no, honey, it's the truth. Don't you be so deceived. And she stares at you and tells you, it's not demon possession. It's believing a lie. She doesn't need deliverance. She doesn't need a bottle of oil. She needs truth. But because she chose to believe it, watch. Years go by, years, to where she's just not herself, where she turned inward, where she got introverted. She wouldn't even go to church. When people would call the house and she'd hear the machine and they were talking for her and ask her, hey, I haven't seen you before. She said, well, they're only calling me because I'm so messed up. So I'm in that every day. I'm the, I'm the husband, guys. But I'm not calling Jesse, not because I didn't know him then. I'm not calling Jesse, it's just an example. Saying, brother, you need to pray for me. I don't know if I could take much more, man. I don't know how much I can endure. This has been for six weeks now, man. If she don't get with it now, I don't know how I'm supposed to carry this cross because she's pretty heavy. I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I don't know why I got any change in her. He knows what's all on my plate, and how can I do all this stuff on my plate if I got a wife that's pulling me back like this? She's just pulling me back, man. Ain't nobody in the world can pull me back. Are you kidding me? Don't you try to sell that to yourself. You sure ain't selling it to me. <laughs> you see why I'm so the way I am? Because I got real stories. I just don't explore them completely, but I tell you enough so you understand. I don't have a doctrine. I have a father. 
<laughs> so if I'm thinking right, TJ, if I'm thinking right, my wife in that season needs Jesus more than ever. And he just happens to live in me. So probably now ain't the time to be a frustrated, exasperated, selfish husband. Now's probably the time to love her like he would. And just give her space, pray for her, and keep walking in love and let Jesus work on her. And absolutely not let any of where she's not determine where I am. Because I'm telling you, it takes two to tango. It takes one to make peace. You're not going to pull me into tangoing. Unless you're the devil, you're already going to go down anyway. I'm just serious. I ain't got no compromise in my heart, and I got no time for junk. See, I'm just telling you. Redeem the time. The days are evil. The kingdom's here. Let's go for it. So are we believers or what? Or are we just caught up in stuff? Come on. I get concerned. We turn everything that God's doing into movements. I wonder if it's just the kingdom on the earth. You turn the thing into a movement, then everybody attaches to it because they're trying to find their identity through what they're a part of instead of who's in them. So then everybody has to go here, do this, taste that. Did you go there? Wow, I've been there and they're wearing a the t-shirt. Come on, be honest with me. Be honest with me. Six years is six years, guys. It was actually a total of eight years till it was all said and done and over. Some of us have a hard time working through six weeks of that stuff. Some of us are broken six days. I'm not saying you. I'm saying don't let it be you. I pastored long enough to know I'm not judging anything. I, I know the stuff is true. I got enough phone calls over the years crying over each other and spouses and you don't know what they put me through and you don't know what... When I was going through that in that season with my wife, I got so many calls as a pastor for marriages, and when I'd talk to them, they'd say, well, you just don't understand. <laughs> they, they were probably, in fairness, they were probably some of them in a sixth of what I was in the middle of circumstantially, and they were falling apart, hanging up their coat and telling me I didn't understand. And I wouldn't tell them I understood because I didn't want to exploit my family. I had a daughter at the very same time that this was happening make the worst decision of her life, put the gospel on the shelf and go test out her feelings and cost her eight years of her life and had a son messing with drugs behind the scenes. All at the same time. Well, brother, you can't even steward your house. Well, I can steward my own heart and I lived integral and Jesus brought them all back to him and he used me in a big way. The last thing you need is to be exasperated over others when you keep overwhelmed by Him. Man, I'm just preaching to you right now. Come on, I'm just pulling out all the human excuses because all they are is justification for the flesh and you guarantee tomorrow is always yesterday. And then years go by that we don't have and our hearts grow duller and less encouraged and we feel like nothing will ever change. When you're making everything else the problem. So this is what I'm closing with. What do you believe today and what are you going to believe about your life, your destiny, and your purpose? I'm talking in the midst of the chaos. You can sort through the chaos and say, wait a minute. What am I going to believe? What am I going to give my heart and my life to? 
Am I going to let passions continue to rage? Am I going to continue to live by desires? Am I going to let to live my old feelings be my truth? Or am I going to go after Him? It's your choice, friend. Nobody can, can make you do that. Nobody can live your faith for you. And nobody can take your place. And God doesn't want nobody to. Look, I'm not being sentimental and sweet talking here, but if, if your picture isn't on the family portrait to God, something's really, really missing. And if you're not on the roster, we're shorthanded. Because there's destiny in every heart and life. You hear me? I'm not calling you up here to get born again. I'm telling you, you make sure you walk right with God. You go after truth and you be a church and a house that God is building and empowering. And when you leave here, you have a sphere of influence. Everybody does. It's the people you brush against through your day. You multiply the number of faces in this room by the sphere of influence times everyone. Man, we can impact a city. We can touch a community in love. Are you hearing me? Come on, we can live this way, guys. You say, how do I do this, Dave?